0: The drama in your life becomes your comfort zone, and when you break out of it, whether it's physically or mentally, it's the unknown, and the unknown is scary. That bit of wisdom comes from two-time Academy Award winner Hilary Swank. In her interview with podcast host Tom Billew of Impact Theory, Tune in for more of her success secrets on mindset, getting out of your own way, and the importance of surrounding yourself with people you can trust. It's Tracy. Thanks for being here. And welcome to another replay of the day on this episode of Invisible You, a podcast for women over 40 living courageously. To be honest, I wasn't a big fan of Hillary Swank before listening to this podcast, and I didn't know much about her, but I definitely have a new appreciation for both her and her work. She's someone you might think of when you hear the term lady boss. And like the rest of us, she only has 24 hours in a day, but It's what she does with those 24 hours that sets her apart. Not only has she used them to create a long and successful career in acting and directing, but she's also started a nonprofit and has her own clothing line. Now, I know what you're thinking. She's rich and famous, so of course she can do all that. But what if she's rich and famous because she does all that? And I think it's pretty inspiring to see just what's truly possible and how much We're capable of because if she's out there doing it, it proves it can be done. And if it can be done, then I can do it. And so can you. Now, the clip I'm about to share has a lot about mindset in it. And listen to how Hillary's has helped her not only persevere, but overcome potential obstacles throughout both her personal and professional life that might have stopped many of us in our tracks. And hearing her story, it's no mystery as to how she's gotten where she is today, but It's pretty impressive just how far hard work, courage, and determination can take a person in creating the life they want, regardless of money, talent, or even inherent ability. And my hope is that you're able to take something from her narrative that resonates with you and apply it in your own pursuits, as I intend to. In my case, it's the idea of grace under pressure. Is something you'll hear more about when Hillary talks about a phobia she had on set. But when I'm struggling and others around me are not, it's really giving myself the permission to be okay with that, which is huge for someone who hates feeling like the weak link or being the center of attention. Just let me sit in the back of the room. I won't make any waves. Promise not to cause any trouble. You get the idea. And now that you know that I hate being the center of attention... I have done my very best to avoid it and pretty successfully. And I'm going to tell you a secret. I know many others probably have as well. I am my own worst critic. And by staying small and holding back, I thought I could avoid the inevitability of disappointment and failure. So I played it safe. And I did my best to avoid those uncomfortable negative emotions, which unfortunately, I was also cutting myself off from the positive ones that come with challenging myself, trying new things and overcoming my struggles. I was keeping myself from the person I could become on the other side of that, living half a life by avoiding the parts I was scared of. What the hell was I thinking? (laughs) I don't know. I guess you don't know what you don't know. So I finally woke up and I decided it was time to do something about it. So I dove headfirst into the one thing that scared the shit out of me, acting. And it was amazing. Okay, not really. It was terrifying. And when I say terrifying, I mean profusely sweating, red face, stammering, clammy hands, sick to my stomach, terrifying. I hated it. Not because of what it was, but because of who I was. Oh, and did I mention I was awful at it? I mean, God awful. But I came back and I kept coming back, even when I was told in front of the entire class, Hey, Tracy, that sucked. Have a seat. No lie. (laughs) And if you've never been to an acting class, let me just enlighten you. The coach gives you some direction. You have about two minutes to create a scene literally off the top of your head with another person or sometimes on your own. You get to decide who you are and include the direction you're given. Could be to portray a certain emotion. Could be just something else thrown in at the last second. And sometimes you don't even get time to prepare. You just get up on stage with someone and wing it. It's challenging to say the least. And one of the many fails I had and I say many because I had a lot of them, was when my partner and I did a scene about a health inspector coming to a dirty restaurant we worked at. Yeah, I'm not going to bore you like we did the class, but you get the idea. It wasn't good. I kept at it, though, and eventually overcame my fear of being judged. Well, maybe overcame as a tad strong. Let's just say I got comfortable being uncomfortable. And now I can take some of that courage amongst the other life lessons acting can teach you, and there's a lot of them, into different areas of my life where I want to succeed, but was always afraid to. And I'm getting better at a skill that I felt completely incompetent at. Also at the ripe old age of 46, when it said that it's too difficult to learn new things as you get older. You know, the whole can't teach a dog new tricks saying, and I'm proving that theory is absolute garbage. A few questions that might be helpful to ask yourself while listening to Tom and Hillary's conversation is, do you think it's possible to change your mindset? What are some of those limiting beliefs you have about yourself around money, relationships, career, and purpose? And have you ever written them down to see exactly what they are or if they still feel true? Or are they stories you've been telling yourself for so long that they've become less truth and more habit? Something you don't know about me, I'm an online course junkie, and it's only gotten worse during COVID because we're stuck inside so much. And at this very moment, I'm taking a money mindset course from longtime coach and podcast host, Sean Croxton, whom I love and I've been following for a number of years. And one of the homework assignments we have for this class is to list the beliefs of money memories we have about money along with our financial goals for the future. A general goal that I have, and the reason I'm taking the course, is to have an abundant income. And I'm sure I'm not alone in this, but one of my beliefs is that people will think I'm greedy and selfish if I do. I have no clue why I feel this way, but yeah, there it is. And Obviously, there's a conflict between my beliefs and my goal. How can I possibly have an abundant income when deep down I think people will judge me as greedy and selfish? I can't. And I won't. I would be contradicting myself and the brain. It hates contradiction. How many of us have had a trail of broken New Year's promises in our past because subconsciously we couldn't reconcile what we wanted with what we believed about ourselves, which meant in my case my mindset has to shift and that's where Sean's money mindset Academy course came in. I'm not saying it's been easy. I'm just saying it's possible. And for now that's enough.
1: Um, mm-hmm. so when did you like click into that competitiveness and really start taking it seriously?
2: Uh, well, it's so interesting. Um, how something becomes something. um, I started swimming at the age of three. Um, it was kind of just a convenient babysitter putting me into sports, you know, while my parents both worked and worked long hours. So then after school program, going swimming or gymnastics or basketball or whatever sport it was in the season, really became, um, it was it was my babysitter, but then it became my way of life and my great passion for so many reasons. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, it's to me, it's like being a part of sports is like the air you breathe or the water you drink. It's I couldn't live without it. It it informed who I am in so many ways, and I love that you started the conversation with this because I feel like sports gives you a type of work ethic that you carry into your life, and especially for young girls because we're so objectified and trivialized that you realize when you're working in team sports, what your body is actually made for. And, um, and you have to train your body and you have to work your body hard and you have to mind over matter Get into that part later, but also as young girls working together for a common goal and supporting one another in their strengths and picking each other up, you learn how to support other women. And so, um, there are so many things, um, you learn how to persevere, um, through all types of adversity, through pain and through what losses, you know, I've never seen a loss as um, a negative because it's such an opportunity to grow. Um, and I know this is a very long winded answer to your question, but, um, without sports as a young person, um, without um, the ability to learn myself again, physically and mentally, I don't, I would definitely be a different person than I am today.
1: Yeah, that, that I completely understand when you approach the body to get to the mind. To me, that's when like really interesting things happen. I've always told people there's two ways to get to the mind. The mind to me is ultimately the game that we're playing. You can go directly to the mind, which I would say works for very, very few people. Another way to get to the mind is through the body. So whether that's um, learning that you can get stronger, learning that you can get faster, or that you can improve your skill set, it, it becomes much easier to believe that change is possible, um, which gives you the energy that you need to push when something gets difficult. It's like, oh, I've seen this with the body, and now if I can believe that the mind works in the same way, um, then I can tackle a pursuit like you've done with acting, which I, I have to imagine people would rank as one of the sort of most – impossible to to get into it just seems so insurmountable the odds of coming from you know a trailer park in bellingham washington to having a star on the hollywood walk of fame i mean it's like it's the classic story um what i'd love to know is when does your mom begin whispering in your ear this notion that you can become what you want it's just going to be really hard is that as soon as you started swimming um was it later like when does that become a thing
2: it was as early as I can remember. Um, I think my mom... First of all, I know the best gift you can give a child is to tell them they can do anything they want as long as they work hard enough. It gives you that gift of believing in yourself. Um, and I, I don't even remember at what age she told me. I. It was just kind of a common mantra. Um, and it, it was really can't was the bad four letter word in our house. Uh, and I love that. And it was also, I remember my gymnastics coach, we had a big sign on our wall, um, in big block level, uh, letters up on the wall that said can't means won't and won't means push-ups." <laughs> and so kind of from all, all areas from my home life to my sport life, it was a, the common mantra. And I just tried to carry that into my, I do carry it into my life all the time now. And instead of saying, I can't, I try and find a way to persevere. Um, and, and a lot of the times my biggest competitor is my mind. It's our, our biggest competitor is really ourselves. And, um, I'm, I'm competitive because I'm a Leo and I, I like a challenge Um, but really I think overcoming that obstacle of your mind is the number one thing to tackle in, in, in pursuing your dreams and your goals.
1: One thing I'm very curious, I actually don't know how you're going to answer this. So I've, I've heard that you're very competitive, um, and not just with yourself, with other people. What do you think about that? Do you think it's important or maybe useful to be competitive with others as well? Or do you think, no, 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 you should keep it entirely aimed at yourself?
2: Well, one thing I'd like to say is that I think for a long time, people use the word competitive as a negative, especially when it was, um, you know, uh, towards a, a, a female. Um, it was if men were competitive, it was deemed a good attribute and characteristic. And for women, it was kind of a negative. And I was told my whole life, well, you're really competitive. And I took it poorly because clearly it was, I think meant as that until I started realizing what a great thing it means that I'm always trying to improve myself and even if that's not what the person meant I feel like when I look back for instance when I was swimming or that one kid in school or two kids or three kids or 10 kids um, that were better at something than you it's so important to try and work towards pushing yourself. It gave you something to work towards. And so I was constantly observing what they were doing that made them able to be faster or, um, whatever it was that, that, what, that I was trying to achieve. And that is so important to, um, to, to see it, um, to respect it and to work towards it. Um, I always go to that when I was training for million dollar baby, I was thinking of that the runner who finally broke the four minute mile. And I remember thinking that after he was able to do that, how many people did it just shortly after it's because they saw someone do something that was deemed no longer impossible. And they said, I can do it. And so that is super important to be competitive with other people because they're the ones that push us out of our comfort zone that we didn't even know we were living in.
1: Hillary. I agree with that so aggressively, and yet it I i have said things like that in the past, and it gets a pretty controversial response. Like people, um, they don't like the idea of competing with other people, but like you, I feel exactly the same that I'm, I'm not wishing them – bad. I don't think less of myself if I can't win. I want to play against the best of the best and see like how good this can be and fall in love with the process of like pushing myself and like just how far can I take this? And to me, that exhilaration of allowing yourself to be competitive to really try to win um, in an honorable way, in in an exciting way, in, in, in a way that fills arenas with people that want to see that level of like human performance That to me is like the juice of how far you can push the human animal.
2: Exactly. And if you think about it from that aspect, it's about respect. It's about respecting the person that is doing something that you want to achieve. That's beautiful. And that's what makes the world better. Because if we all stayed in that comfort zone and said, oh, let's not compete with each other to be better at whatever it is then no one would ever grow and no one would f- find vaccines that help save lives or go to missions to Mars or whatever it may be. And that to me is the most inspiring about human beings or the people who are constantly breaking through the status quo. They blow all of our minds. Like you said, they fill arenas. And I think the negative naysayers are really probably just a little bit jealous and they're not going to like to hear that. But the fact is, is they might not have it in them to want to have that drive, but they wanna be there.
1: So, to go a little deeper on that story for anybody that hasn't heard it, for all of recorded human history, everybody thinks that the four minute mile is not possible, that the human body is just not capable of doing it. One guy is just crazy enough and he keeps pushing, pushing, and pushing and believes that it can be done. He does it, I think, 40, like 44 days after he breaks a record that had stood for all of recorded human history, Another person breaks it, and then by the end of the year, three people in a single race break the four-minute mile because they realize that it could be done. It's like that zero-to-one moment is so incredibly difficult, but when you see that somebody has pulled it off, it gets pretty interesting. Now, the new show that you're in a way on Netflix is – I love it so much. You have no idea. I'm five episodes in. I'm a total sci-fi junkie. I know you're not a huge fan of sci-fi. I am a psychopath for sci-fi. And part of what I love is these exploration of these zero to one moments of like what that would really be like. And I'm curious, you've gone from actor to now executive producer as you literally change who you are and how you show up in the world. Like how do you reinvent yourself like that? How did you have the courage to move to LA and live out of your car? How did you have the courage, you know, to take, um, boys don't cry, which was, I'm sure like that you got paid $75 a day or something. It's ridiculous. Like how do you have this courage to reinvent yourself constantly? Um, and, and why do you keep doing it?
2: Um, Well, you know, I think that if you look at something and you think, uh, like, I didn't know that this is where I would be like 29 years later that I would be living my dream and having a conversation about impact and, you know, uh, Being a type of role model and I think if you think like that it can be a little overwhelming Especially with a movie like boys don't cry when you know that it was the beginning of a conversation that no one was Having at the time and it started that conversation. that was so important for so many people Um, I probably might have even like froze under that pressure Um, but I think if you're just following your life's path and your life's purpose um, you're not thinking about anything other than just kind of how do I achieve it how do I how do I make it happen and when I drove to California with 75 dollars and a gas card and I was living with my mom out of the car for a little while to me it was exciting it was it didn't feel courageous it felt like I'm embarking on the beginning of my dream. And there was nothing more exciting. I remember it like it was yesterday. And I think that if you really are living your fullest purpose, there are definitely moments where I, I'm, I'm, you know, kind of quaking in, um, in a type of fear of like, can I do this? And that's wonderful because I don't ever want to rest on my laurels. I don't ever want to just sit back and go, Oh, I did it. Now I can just kind of smooth sail Choices that I continue to make are ones in which keep me up at night that, you know, it's like the night before the first day of school and I can't sleep on my first night of, of, of when I'm about to go to set for the first time. And, um, and I love that it, to me, it's a challenge and sometimes it doesn't work. You know, Clint Eastwood said something that has always stuck with me, which is you always aim for the bullseye, but you don't always hit it. And that's okay. Okay. How do you deal with that? When you
1: you fail to hit the bullseye, what do you do? How do you talk yourself through that?
2: I just say, did I do my best? Did I work my hardest? Did all the collaborators work their hardest? And, And where can we improve the next time? Why didn't it work? I think trying to break down and understand why something doesn't work so that you don't do the same thing the next time. But it's hard when you're telling stories because you're Anything. You're only as good as your weakest link. And we're a collaboration. And that's part of the beauty and the magic is in that collaboration. Like I remember I did this movie, The Reaping, which um, was really about kind of this biblical plagues that happened, which feels very kind of timely right now. And I feel like it just didn't come out at the right time. You know, it had it come out now, people would be like, oh, my gosh, you know, so so much of it is about time and what's happening. But also sometimes it just doesn't work. I've done movies and I won't mention them and remind everybody where it just doesn't work. And that's just okay.
1: One thing that I find so interesting is you. You had an overnight success, nine years in the making, right? So I, I totally get that story of, you know, you work and work and work, but just nobody's seeing it. But then you finally have that breakthrough moment. And then you've done so many extraordinary things. Not only do you win one Academy Award, you win two Academy Awards, which is insane. I just, I mean, that puts you in such a small pantheon. But what's interesting to me is that you've also launched a clothing line, you've become an executive producer. Um, you're getting involved in like the real, um, nitty gritty of the storytelling. And that to me is, is evolution that I think is going to keep you relevant and that, you know, you're already at a a point now where you can be in front of the camera, you can be behind the camera. I want to read a quote that you said that I think really sums up, um, your attitude and the approach that you have, which I, I think speaks to why you've had the kind of Um, success and evolution that you've had. This is straight from your mouth. I wrote it down myself. I have this motto, make a choice, make it happen and work every day towards towards whatever that goal is. Step into the sharp edges, do something that scares you. Don't pull away and don't overthink.
0: Well, that's it for me. If you like what you heard here, then go back and check out the full episode number 188. Hillary Swank on Becoming a Beast Competitor in Work and Life on the Impact Theory Podcast. Links to that and both Tom and Hillary's social media are included in the show notes below, as well as a link to Sean Croxton's website in case you'd like to learn more about his Money Mindset Academy course. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with someone you think might benefit. And until next time, thanks for listening.